Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 676 with our review of Reminiscence. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we already had a review of The Green Knight, um, which is available to rent in most places now. Um, here we are talking about Reminiscence, which came to uh, HBO Max. And uh, we're also going to have a review of Annette, uh, which is available right now on Amazon Prime. Um, so here we're talking about Reminiscence, which is, you know, a, an interesting sci-fi story, Stephen. Um, my question for you, this is a story that involves a device or apparatus that allows you to delve into people's memories. So I want to know from you, Stephen, is this Inception for Memories or is it Minority Report for Past Events? Uh, closer to Minority Report for past events, because this is not incepting, right? This is only retrieving. This is only going in one direction. Yeah. Um, so, well, yeah, I'm going te- to give it that. Technically, the device in the film Inception, incepting was not its primary purpose. Like, basically, people use people who don't have the ability to incept. Like, people in the film don't believe Inception is possible. Yeah. Yeah. This is what Leo was an expert in before the beginning of the movie Inception. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but, but then I, his quest changes. Yeah, but either way, I agree with you because in the dream world, you can do whatever you want in the context of the dream world. And yeah. in this, the memory version, the minority report for the past events, it is fixed things happen. Even if you are reliving the experience, you can't change that experience. You can't do something yeah. differently. You are just feeling and re-experiencing that moment from another point. I, I can't even fully tell in the universe of this movie how lucid you are of the fact that it is a memory it it seems like you are because hugh jackman uses it at a few points as someone who is like looking for things but for the most no even that no i i feel like the machine only lets you remember and then after the fact you can kind of watch that memory from the outside you you can play it back the machine makes you indistinguishable from the real thing like you are just reliving it again yeah and that's that's clear from a certain scene in the film (laughs) yeah which which we might talk about in Spoilers? (laughs) Spoilers? <laughs> Hell if I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, cool. So now that we got that out of the way, Stephen, are you ready to dive into Reminiscence? I can't wait. Man, I should have wrote down his little thing that he goes on. You are about to go on a journey, a journey, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're going on a journey. You don't know where it was. Isn't there another movie that has a very, very, very similar thing where someone is like, You're going on a quest. You're going Twi- on a journey. Twilight Zone? Maybe, yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of the Twilight Zone. You're entering whatever, not only of sight and sound, but of mind. No, I feel like Inception. Oh, yeah, Marianne Cotillard's thing in Inception. It's like you're going on a journey. You don't know where the trains will take you. Very similar. (laughs) You don't know when it'll be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good call, David. Nailed it. (laughs) If only the filmmaker in this case had some connection to a Nolan in some way. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) <laughs> and if only Mare and Cotillard were around in making movies that came out this weekend for us to review. <laughs> the real question, Stephen, is if Marianne Cotillard was around in making movies that came out this weekend, would her movie be as perplexing as this movie? <laughs> uh, in a very different way. In very different ways that we'll get into. <laughs> All right. Well, for now, we're going to get into this film. Um, We're going to put our headsets, we're going to lay back in the water, and we're going to listen to the trailer for Reminiscence, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. 
you're going on a journey. A journey through memory. All you have to do is follow my voice. We're closed. I know, I'm sorry it's late. We have time for one more job. began to rise and war broke out. Nostalgia became a way of life. There wasn't a lot to look forward to. So people began looking back. Nothing is more addictive than the past. No, 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 put me back. Put me back. I She's moved on, and you should too. People don't just vanish. To find where she'd gone, I had to know where she'd been. Was she running from the past? Or racing back towards it? How much did you really know her? How much did you love her? Who was she? Who was she when not with me? You think you want answers? Well, you don't. Where is she? Where is she? Larson, bribery, murder. People love their secrets. Don't go down this path. Stay here in this life. Blind eye to plenty. I have to do this. That machine of yours, how close can you get before the illusion's broken? You're going on a journey. All you have to do is follow my voice. All right, so that was the trailer for Reminiscence. Um, it uh, takes place in the future in which, you know, like polar ice caps are melted and stuff and it's real hot during the day and like most cities yeah. are flooded if you're on a coastal city. And it's sort of like a noir detective film. Um, but the, in this case, the detective is a guy who works at a... I can't tell if Reminiscence is the tech or his company that uses the tech because they refer to everything else as pods and then mm-hmm. he... Like the movie's called Reminiscence. Anyways, so basically there are these machines that you can basically delve into past memories to either relive moments or say if you misplaced your keys, you could go on a delve to try to find the moment that you lost them um, and things like that. And essentially uh, Hugh Jackman's character um, becomes infatuated with a woman who disappears from his life and he tries to go on a journey to figure out what happened with her and uh, whether or not she might have been everything she was cracked up to be. So Stephen Miller... What did you think of Reminiscence? Um, So first, I want to say, I think the world building is genuinely pretty cool in this movie, at least like the sense of place. Uh, It's like post-collapse of civilization, Miami and New Orleans. Um, 
the city is basically Venice now. It's like a series of canals. Uh, global warming has made it so everyone spends their time out at night and the daytime is like the strange area when you would be indoors and like no one would really be out. Um, I, it, I, I think, think that is... I, I do think it was funny though that like it's too hot to be out in the day, but there's no visible AC units or any sort of right. conditioning for inside. You're just inside during the day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like the sun, the direct sun, like the UV rays are too harmful or something. Yeah. Um, but they really do take chances, though, because they love it at like sunrise or sunset. They walk all out with no cover there. Um, yeah, yeah. But like I, I thought the aesthetic like of the world that was built was pretty cool. And there are cool looking shots throughout this movie of him like taking a train from Miami to New Orleans or like them being on a uh, canoe or boat or whatever going into the evening bar like them taking the kind of noir tropes and combining it with this futuristic world I thought was pretty cool like I could understand why a person would make a movie around this I also feel like the script does have some pretty clever bits like i think the character of may is very clever again it's very much playing with a noir trope of like the woman how well did you really know her but here it is kind of like repeated a few times and then it's tied into memory itself so the like obsessiveness about memory tied with the sci-fi concept um you know, I'm a sucker for what I would have said Orpheus and Eurydice when we were reviewing <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire, that now I have to say Eurydice, apparently, because that's what Hugh Jackman wants me to say. Um, <laughs> there, there are some things where on the page, like especially toward the end of this movie, lines that are uttered, I'm like, okay, I get why like the like Nolan brain, the Westworld brain is like, oh, hell yeah, this is intelligent. This is very thought-provoking. Um and I wish any of this had been in a good movie. Like, I'm surprised at how not good I feel like the movie was, <laughs> given that I think it did have interesting raw materials to work with. Um, I've, I, I didn't hate this movie. Like, I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. Like, it kept my attention well enough. But it shocks me how quickly a world where you are inceptioning through memory and hunting down bad guys and stuff becomes very boring. And I feel like somehow this movie feels extremely boring. Hugh Jackman feels very boring in the movie. Um, The whole, like, aesthetic, his search to find her, everything just feels miscalibrated to me in a way where it it does not play as cool the way that it ought to. Um, Miscalibrated in a few directions, like boring when it shouldn't be boring. Um, Characters, when they do decide to start shooting are like killing a ton of people and not caring at all about any of it they're killing them during the day so it doesn't matter no one's out Um, like there's like they turn on a dime and don't feel seem to have any kind of moral compulsion or whatever about it um i think characters kind of betray who they are frequently like I, i think the tandy newton character is very hard to pin down what she stands for because what she is asked to represent in the movie by the end does not mesh at all with the like gunslinging badass sidekick or whatever that she is earlier in the movie to me um yeah so the problem is that like all of that stuff relates to a film that we're not watching right right it's all about the the fallout that happened and being conscripted into military groups who are all about like basically making all the shitty towns that exist now in the in the in the world and like it's weird that some people have this reverence for having served in this like doing these tours of 
killing people who are trying to take land i I don't know exactly what was going on yeah i I felt like there were a lot of very heavy-handed references to the border which i felt like we're trying to be a clever commentary on today but i was like i don't get i don't get what you're doing here yeah but anybody Um, who retired from like trying to keep immigrants out of the country don't tattoo themselves and celebrate it with each other the way that this film seems to celebrate yeah it's another weird thing um yeah yeah i did i just I, I just feel like the movie, it's just all over the place. Um, there's this character of, I think, St. Joe is what he's called, Daniel Wu's character, <laughs> yeah. um, who it's like, in order to give us a sense of who this bad guy is, they just make like every 12th word he says be in Chinese and then occasionally reference like the camps or something. But like, again, it would all be fine, but it's just miscalibrated. It feels yeah. like it doesn't feel like there's a deeper story that you're giving me a glimpse of like a world you've built and then are only barely showing me. It just feels like a very scripted attempt at hinting at a world that isn't there. Um, and that that's kind of just how I felt the whole way through. Like there is a mystery that unfolds. There are like moderately semi cool bad guys, at least one of them involved um again there are some okay cool looking places and kind of grungy almost like i don't know chappy-esque locations (laughs) that they go to in this movie um one of the things that's funny about the like the physical world like the actual set design of the world is like like there's a scene where rebecca ferguson's character is like yeah i got this shitty place and it's like beachfront bungalow and it's like it's actually an amazing pad if you don't count that inside it's just bare and it's filled with water, right? But it's actually right. like super, like her little like couch thing that she's sitting on outside. Like I was like, this looks like like you could charge a lot of money for this on Airbnb. <laughs> You're right. Well, maybe in this future world where uh, daytime is like a no-no, then maybe nobody cares about beachfront property. The whole th- <laughs> dream is to have the best indoor location as possible. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It just felt like too clever by hair and miscalibrated. And it was never as cool as it wanted to be. And the the Hugh Jackman character, I think, is like a total mess. And our ability to root for him or follow the thread of his quest doesn't really work on me at all. Um, There's a thing he does toward the end of this movie that is just like vile and unforgivable. And we never have to grapple with it until he offhandedly mentions that he did this horrible thing and then we're like yay <laughs> the end of the movie i don't know it i don't know if we're doing spoiler section or not steven i don't think you understand that he has to do a really terrible thing so that somebody else has to tell on him so it can trigger a series of events that'll lead to something else happening yeah Duh. but wasn't he in charge of the thing he could have triggered in the first place without all the legal hoops <laughs> <laughs> so that is the one thing that they don't do very well in this film is like obviously i feel like there's another film that's come out in the last several years where you no, it was a episode of black mirror it was an episode of black mirror where there was a device that you could look at to replay back somebody's like like basically you could you could replay back somebody's vision of what happened in an event. So like if there was a carjacking and you happen to be standing on the street, the police could show up and plug this machine into you and play back what actually happened. So like there's this idea of your memory working against you. And like this film is sort of playing with that in a way, but also it seems like you can have a legal defense that you can't get in the box because 
you're rich. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, which is like, um, so it, it's kind of wishy-washy on like how somebody can be compelled to, I mean, I guess technically you could just claim fifth. Like I played the fifth. You can't plug your memory device up on me because I don't want to incriminate myself. I don't know. I mean, clearly they have rules where that isn't good enough. And instead it has to be like, I'm sick. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't, I can't go in the pool. I'm allergic to water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I burn easily. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for me, um, I think this is an interesting film. Uh, mm. I didn't hate it. I agree that there's lots of boringness. Anyone who's not like directly one of the main characters is completely inconsequential to the story other than the people who like need to be plugged into machines to get more information out of them. But like there isn't a there isn't a side character who's interesting at all. None of the henchmen, none of the bad guys, none of the whatever are any good. Um, the police force people aren't really that great. Um, I kind of like the idea of what this film is doing, though. Like, I think this is an like I. I like this movie enough. Um, I think one thing that's kind of funny about the film is it is way on the nose with its foreshadowing so much. Yeah. Like, minor spoilers, listen to lyrics of any song that Rebecca Ferguson sings. Oh, sure. <laughs> Basically any line of dialogue she does give, um, including, I don't know, maybe the last line of the trailer where she says, how close can you get to the machine before it gets distorted? Like, yeah. It, it's it's calling all of its shots very very early on in the story but steven you know what <laughs> in the grand scheme of things those shots <laughs> kind of work on me hey i'm happy they do i'm happy they do i like this is one of those th this um obviously it's a completely unfair comparison to compare this to the green knight but if you look at this as sort of that sort of tale like a a legend of something that happened all the beats of what's actually going on and how that stuff works are good ideas it all works mm. the performances don't sell it the way it really needs to sell it to fully bring you on um but i think um much like what another film might do with a puppet <laughs> uh seems like silly on the face of it but the payoff for it is really great <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I think this film is doing a similar thing where it's kind of like it's way on the nose. I get what it's doing, but I also like what it's doing. Like if it was executed better, I would be like praising this film for like being like really, really interesting. Um, I don't know whether it's a I don't know whether the telegraphing of what it wants to do or the foreshadowing is a thing that is placed there. So, um, you know, Lisa Joy, uh, you know, has, you know, produced, written and directed episodes of Westworld. Like it's like sort of, you know, one of her babies, right? Mm -hmm. As the series of Westworld has gone on, the fan base has sort of diverged in the people who really, really like what it's doing and the people who feel like it's just trying to be tricky. Is Westworld still on? Uh yeah, so it, it's oh, I, I just assumed it ended by now. <laughs> no, no, there there's gonna be another season. But anyways, uh what I was saying though was like by the third season, people were either upset thinking the show was trying to be too tricky, or people were really, really liking what it was doing, 
and they sort of stopped trying to be as tricky for the third mm -hmm. season and did a more straightforward story that you were just watching. Um, I don't know if it, if in this in this film, I don't know if the need to foreshadow there is is to let you quote figure it out early. Like I don't know if it's planting seeds that you're supposed to find, or if it's actually being um, something that is like. Yeah, I it, 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 see. I I feel like it is trying to get the feeling of watching a Christopher Nolan movie without actually having the payoff. It yeah. wants you to have the feeling of like, oh, look, parallelism, right? Like Hugh Jackman opens saying the same thing that he closes saying, and there are things foreshadowed early in the movie that we can cut back to you later and watch again and be like, oh my god. Um, yeah, But the movie doesn't really pay that off. I think it's just trying to give you the feeling of having had a loopy thing that like called it shot early on. Yeah, And I'm fine with calling your shot early on. I just don't think it successfully does it. I think it's just kind of taking a shortcut to making you feel like it did. Um, yeah. And that, that is kind of where I land. Like, I think you can figure out plenty about this movie, right? Like, if you assume every character you meet and every memory you see is important somehow to the main plot, you'll have solved it in like the first 25 <laughs> minutes, probably. Um, but also it isn't like it feels good to solve it because the movie is not framed around this great mystery. Like that, that's the thing in, in like a classic noir sense, Hugh Jackman isn't looking for how deep does this mystery go? He's like, give me that femme fatale what happened to her and everything else is just kind of like okay this is where she went and then this i don't care where is she let me find her you know yeah. um but when the movie plays it off as if the goal of those noir movies was like oh my god look at how the pieces fit call the shot early it just feels kind of silly to me um i know where i'm using the word silly when we're about to review annette so Keep in mind, silly is not necessarily <laughs> bad, but this movie feels like it has taken itself very seriously. Yeah. And yet I think the gimmicks it is using are quite silly. So do you think Rebecca Ferguson's final monologue is not impactful? Uh, it didn't impact me. <laughs> <laughs> not like... Uh, oh, you mean impactful to the character who hears it? The character who hears it like does we it watch hearing it does it justify the the whole sloppiness of all the other stuff cuz i i feel like that payoff for the character is impactful in a way that makes the journey worth it to me um i feel like if you, if you are talking about the the concept of the monologue of who is hearing it and when and the idea of exploiting the world that they have built to make that a possibility, I think that is a clever tool that it had. I think that is one of the first things they thought of when they were writing this movie and they were like, all right, we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, in terms of what it means for the character, I feel like we have learned enough about Rebecca Ferguson before that monologue to not need it to know what we need to know about what she means. <laughs> the monologue is giving you a thing that noirs never do, which is clarity, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't know that this needed that clarity. Like, we already know how 
at least one person felt, and we are getting enough hints as to how what she was really about that are undercutting some of the twistiness before. I don't think the monologue is necessary, but I thought it was a cool enough device. Like, I get why they started with it, probably, and then built a movie around it. Yeah, like, I really, I really like it as a device. And I think that, mm-hmm. like, to me, it... To me, it had at least some emotional resonance to it or reminiscence to it <laughs> um, that that made me go like, okay, I put up with a lot, but like, yep. I see what you were doing for real. <laughs> now, I know in Pig, we talked about the mushroom tart and, and the squab. And in our review of uh, First Cow, we talked a lot about the little like oily cakes. Oily cakes. You want some baka? How are you how are you feeling about baka now? <laughs> I don't know what baka is or what it's supposed to do. Only that it's highly addictive. Me either. And I, it would be interesting to know what it actually was. I think they could have done something better with like in theory. Imagine a drug that sends you back to a random memory or something and like Mm -hmm. people are still addicted to it the way they are addicted to actual reminiscence yeah member berries yeah (laughs) but like for real though like imagine that like i think that would be pretty interesting no you've you've already added a better device in this movie than what it does like you at least connected it to the world in some way Uh, i thought the whole baka thing was pretty lazy we don't even really get to see like baka addicts and what it does to them like it for a thing that takes up a sizable percentage of what people are talking about in the movie it is kind of weird that they didn't flesh that out in any meaningful way yeah i mean it was just a it was just a thing that gets taken from a person and has value and also it's highly addictive it, it's it's like literally a MacGuffin, right like it's like mm-hmm. it's like oh she must have been a baka addict <laughs> what are we gonna yeah. do <laughs> I, I do want to ask you one question, um, and I'll try to be semi-vague, but let's pretend, Stephen, you were inventing a device, mm-hmm. and you knew, like, let's say you were inventing a toaster, right? Sure. The toasters have a little knob, right? It's like, do you want lightly toasted, medium toasted, heavy toasted, right? Um, if you were making a toasted uh, you're, if you were making a toaster are you asking would i make the knob have a setting that would destroy the toaster <laughs> <laughs> would you would you make a knob that could be turned to <laughs> scorched earth <laughs> because it just seems like that's a like i mean this is a fundamental problem that lots of movies have is they want to have the setting that is the terrible one but it is for some reason like still very reasonably accessible on the device yeah like it's one thing if like if you have an amp that goes from 1 to 11, but then you connect it to other things that make it bigger, it's okay to go like, well, because we connected it to all this other stuff, never turn it above 3, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? I am augmenting a thing that could already turn to a certain amount to this level that should not be turned to. <laughs> but, right. but starting from scratch or building a thing from scratch, like... Like you, you don't you don't build a car and say like, well, this car tops out at 120, but you can set it to 500 miles an hour and it'll immediately explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I hear you. I, I, I do not know why they built it that way. I will say that was not in like my top 10 nitpicks about the movie. <laughs> 
What is as, as soon as you said, well, we never go above 30. Right. I was like, you're going to go above 30. And he's just a, he's a big asshole. Like I, I get, like I, I wrote a couple notes during this movie and I wrote during the scene where someone goes above 30, like what the fuck is wrong with Hugh Jackman? <laughs> I mean, really, if you think about it, now that guy just feels the same on the inside that he feels outside. Yeah, that's true. They do say that um, burning someone is, like, worse than murdering them. So shouldn't they just, like, shoot people who've been burned? You or mean, like... Burn isn't the word, right? Maybe burn is yeah, the word. Yeah, it is, it is burned. They call it burned. But So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about um, reminiscence in general. Not the film, but, like, the idea of this device... I really, really liked the idea of how it worked. Um, the idea of you need a person to guide you through memories and the idea that if you stray from what actually happened, the body begins to reject it sort of like an implanted organ or whatever. Like the body is like, mm -hmm. this doesn't belong here. Get it out. And that's where this idea of the burning comes from is like you change what is going on and the brain can't handle it and you have to guide a person back to a memory that you know is true so that they can like get back on track. I really thought that was a very, very cool um, idea. And it's like, I want to, I, I really want to know more about the world in which reminiscence exists. Not like the earth has been like wiped out and flooded and all that kind of stuff. I want to know about like a world where these devices do exist. Um, and, like, the extent to which you can do different things and stuff like that. Like, I thought it was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, I, I thought the idea was cool. I was vaguely intrigued when the movie started. And I was like, ooh, we're going to play with memory. I'm, I'm going to have fun with this device. Um, like, it's interesting because it, it isn't like Minority Report when they go to the virtual reality place or whatever where they get to live their fantasies. Or, um, yeah. like, Inception where they get to... I guess in Inception, they're not manipulating. Do they manipulate dreams for pleasure in Inception? Is it hinted that that's a part of the world, or do they only do it to retrieve information? Uh, well, I mean, if you are the one diving, it's sort of a lucid dream, and you can control it. Um, mm -hmm. And also, you were thinking of the Mars movie, not Minority Report, right? I think I'm thinking Minority Report. I think in Minority Report, there's a scene where people go to this place... Um, that has like a, a VR pleasure dome or whatever. And Tom Cruise uses someone's eyeball to get in. But it's not using the precog system. No, I, I don't yeah, think it's okay. using the precog okay. system. Yeah. Cool. Separate. Just I think just it's a separate sure. little bit of color in Minority Report. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gotcha. But, but anyway, like um, in, in a lot of movies, the, the Matrix even, like, like there is a world you can explore and that can give you great pleasure. Like, you can live in this fantasy world. You can do whatever you want. You can relive the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Reminiscence is interesting because you're on a single track. You can't deviate. All you are doing is experiencing it. You're basically watching a movie with, um, you know, 5D. I had to remember how many senses there are. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're, you're watching a movie where you can feel everything as if you were experiencing it again. But you can't do anything and you can't really even think anything. Um and I think it's intriguing. I think the idea of people like being addicted to it is an interesting concept. I wish the movie played with it more. I do like um there's one character in the movie who we see who is like stuck in the past and has been burned from using it too many times. Yeah. And I think 
what we see of her and how she lives her life, it was very cool in a like Westworld season one way to me, where it's like there's an uncanniness of how people are behaving here. Yeah. Where people Westworld is a good comparison. Westworld is like you get to play God, you get to live in this universe and be this thing that you normally would have only seen in the movie, but you get to just like live and enjoy your life in this place where the rules don't matter. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't combine them anymore. Anyway, I think, I think it's moderately cool. <laughs> I, one of the things I do like about it is, you know, you, you could think of, there, there is one way this type of device could work and it could be like, um, do you remember the Robin Williams movie final cut? I never saw it. Okay. So basically the idea was like you get these things implanted in your body that basically require that they record your entire life, like through your POV. Mm -hmm. And then when you die, there's a person, I think they're called cutters or something like that. And they basically for your funeral, whatever, they can cut your life into some meaningful, like small movie. That's like, this is the life this person had. Um, and in that you have a machine that lets you like scrub through the entire history of a person's life, right? You have to like, mm -hmm. there's a timeline you scrub through, you can scrub fast or slow, you can kind of move around. And it's like the way you find individual memories is you have to seek through the entire timeline to find them. Um, you can skip around, but you skip by fragments of time. Like, right, let's go to the 25th birthday or whatever. But in this story, because it's all done through guided voice, um, you can literally go to any memory you want just by saying like, Oh, remember your birthday party, whatever. And you can go back to that moment. So, um, like this is a, a thing that usually takes a guide, but when, um, Hugh, Hugh Jackman is going through and trying to do his stuff on his own, he basically records his own guided path to go through and plays it back to himself as if that guide is talking to him. So it's like the, it, and it's used to great effect um, later in the film, but like that idea of like being able to control your dreams or not your dreams, your, your memories by literally just saying the thing you want to remember and being able to jump straight to it is a really interesting idea when like you would think it would be like a timeline that you have to move through. Yeah. So it's like your entire life is keyworded and you can just mm -hmm. say the thing that'll get you there and then you're there. It's cool. Yeah. I like that. It's like that uh, Ashton Kutcher movie, <laughs> Butterfly Effect. Where he stares at the journal and goes. Yeah. And then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also, Stephen, I will say this to your, to your statement about him being a huge asshole. I mean, in a normal <laughs> noir story, right? He'd probably be an alcoholic detective who's like walking right. around beating, punching people and be like, is that my daughter in there? Right. <laughs> Yeah, um, but in, in a normal noir thing, you're supposed to like kind of hate him from the jump, and then it's just like, oh, this gruff guy had a soft spot. Hugh Jackman is just like fundamentally lovable, and that makes it feel weird to me. <laughs> also, but, I don't know if you meant for huge asshole to sound so close to Hugh Jackman because I really <laughs> like that. Well, we'll say that I did. <clears throat> um, but yeah, all right. So, any last thoughts on this uh, film, Stephen? No, only that I, again, it had good raw materials. I don't know why I didn't like it more. Um, I was kind of surprised when it ended at like, it'd be one thing if it had like a boring world or a concept that I couldn't get behind, but it didn't like it cleared that bar and it just still, I don't know. It just lacked something. There was some kind of uncanny valley aspect to the movie that just didn't really work for me. 
Yeah, I think I think it, I think the problem is that it had one too many ideas, and mm-hmm. those ideas were crowding the room that the good ideas w- could have been able to use to shine. Um, but yeah. I also just think Hugh Jackman is not the right actor for this role. There's just something about him again that he feels very like direct and clean and simple and like a showman and it just feels weird to have him in a role where it's supposed to be brooding and hazy and you don't know what's going on and it just didn't feel like the right character to me you might say he feels more like the the greatest greatest, yeah of the showman yes (laughs) all right well steven uh what do you say we get to verdicts sure if you're gonna even say must see recommend the caveat wait for until pass of the caveat or must avoid what would you give it I'm I'm giving it like a fine pass with a caveat. I think it's fine. I think if you're intrigued by the story, you won't be like upset that you watched it. It isn't it is it's made completely fine. The production design I think is honestly pretty cool. Like there are a good number of caveats with my pass, but ultimately I think the experience just doesn't add up to very much and I think the the levers just aren't set right. There's something very off about this movie that feels like it needed a second or third draft <laughs> that never happened. Um, so, like, it's fine. I don't think you'll heavily regret watching it, but I don't think you really get anything from watching it that hearing the synopsis, the movie that plays in your head, will probably be at least as good as the one that you get. So that's <laughs> that's how I feel. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a wait for rental. Um, I definitely enjoyed it a little bit more than Steven did. Um, if you put this on like a, on a scale with something like uh, predestination, which is a film that is, uh, zero budget, um, terrible effects, a lot of bad acting, but the concept and the idea and the execution of the idea and what it's actually doing is so great that I'm like, this movie is fantastic. This feels like you took those two polar opposites from predestination and you just met them in the middle where it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you had money and, uh, you know, you had some people that could act and you did a bunch of stuff and you had some great ideas and you put them in there and you mixed it all up. But instead of having like a thing where you sacrifice one to get the other, which is sacrifice the production values to get an amazing story. You kind of have something where you like took away some of that amazing story and added some of that like pretty decent production values. And um, in the end, you get something that's not going to stick with me that much longer than this review. Um, But at the same time, by the end of it, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm happy with that. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that it worked. And I, I wasn't angry. I was just like, I did check my phone a couple of times. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you're saying is there's at least twice this weekend where one of us checked our phones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of foreshadowing. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for this review of Reminiscence. Uh, Stephen Miller, people want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinlife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Reminiscence, so hopefully you're enjoying that. 
And uh, yeah, we have one more episode to record, and that is a review of Annette. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to go do that. We're going to go on a journey. <laughs> and uh, hopefully you follow us there. And uh, it should be a lively review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you in a bit. <laughs> Bye.